0: remember him saying sometime one time in a service that I was in after worship like that I feel as though I could storm the gates of hell with a water pistol and uh, I believe that to be true this morning how good God is what a sweet spirit in this place amen isn't it refreshing to be in the spirit of God to be in the presence of God with God's people in his place man it's Powerful thing. I long for that. I'm desperate for that. I need that. I can't do without it. Matter of fact, if someone is not here that should be here this morning, you go home and tell them how good Jesus is. You tell them what they missed. You tell them that the Spirit of God showed up and showed out and manifested Himself among us and we left here refreshed and renewed and our cup runs over. Can you say amen? <laughs> See, that's the type of and I'm not. this is not my message, but, that, but that's the type of um, visitation program that works. Not going out and trying to make somebody feel guilty for, so they'll come to church. No. You just go tell them how good Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our midst. And how you experience the power and presence of God. and You want them to, the same thing for them. That, that's what we do. And so do that this evening. Tell them how good Jesus is, man, and what he's done for us. Ephesians chapter number 4 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. So if you will, please turn your Bibles there. i want going to speak to you on the subject of victory through family values. We're still focusing on the family, and we're doing that because we realize the purpose of the family is to spread the glory of God to the ends of the earth. And God always, as it's always been His plan, to use the vehicle of the family to do just that, to spread His name, to spread His glory, to spread His goodness, to spread His light in a dark world. He wants to use the family to do all of that. And so because we realize that's our purpose in the family, we realize how powerful it is. And, and so we spend a lot of time talking about the family and, and, and the family that God is pleased with and how we can make our family a family God is pleased with. And so we're taking the truth of the Word of God and then we're applying it unto ourselves. And how many you know that's how change takes place? It's not just in the hearing, but in the application, We hear the word of God, yes, but we also heed the word of God. James says, don't be hearers of the word only, but doers also. Can you say amen? Now, listen to me, folks. It's good that we do what God says. In here, How do you know, Uh, it's easy to come into a service like we're in this morning and praise Jesus, worship Jesus, serve Jesus, pray to Jesus. Listen, tell everybody how good Jesus is. It's easy to do that in here. But now listen, where the rubber meets the road is not in this house, but in my house. And in your house. And listen to me, folks. Our worship that we experience in here with our lips should carry on throughout the week with our lives in our home in our family that's what god is after that's what god wants so this morning i want us to see the victory through family values that's described for us right here in ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 27 let's just read this together he says that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. so Paul says to the church here, says to us this morning, how many of you believe God's word is not what, just what has been said, but what is being said, amen? It's a living word, and it's, and this is truth for me, just like it was truth for, for the church at Ephesus. It's truth for Mount Zion. And what he's saying is, this word conversation actually means lifestyle. And he's saying, put off the old life, put off the old man what he's telling us folks is that we are to put off what we look like pre-Jesus how we used to be that old way of thinking that led to a wrong way in acting put off those old opinions and attitudes put off the old man and then he tells us not only to put off something But he tells us to put on something. He says, verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you might put on the new man. Amen. So what he's telling us is, put off the old man pre-Jesus, that old lifestyle, and put on the new man which came to you by faith in Christ. Let me give you an illustration straight from the Word of God that will clear this up for you. Do you remember in John chapter number 11, when Jesus comes to Bethany where Lazarus had been dead four days? The Bible says Lazarus was dead and in the grave, had been there four days, and Jesus walks up, prays to the Heavenly Father, and then speaks to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. Dr. J. Vernon McGee always said it like this. He made sure and specify in saying Lazarus, for if Jesus had just said, come forth, all of the graves in all the world would have busted open. Can you say amen? That's the power that rested in and on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God, but he is God the Son. And so he specifies and says, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, Lazarus, having been dead four days, got up and walked out of the grave. And then Jesus said something to him. He says, loose him and let him go. Let me tell you why. He still had grave clothes on. He was still wrapped in those swaddling clothes of the grave. And he could not operate now in the newness of life still wearing old grave clothes. So Jesus said, let him go. Let him go. Don't don't let him be hindered by the old man. Don't let him be hindered by the old life. Don't let him be hindered by the spiritual deadness that he was in. Now I've called him forth to walk in the newness of life. And so what Paul is saying is the same thing. Listen, put off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. That's what we're under now. The amazing matchless grace of God that enables us to be what God has saved us to be. God's grace certainly does save us, but it keeps us. Can you say amen? It empowers us. It helps us to be husbands and fathers and wives and mothers and children and parents and all the things that we need to be in our families and everywhere else. Put off the grave clothes, brothers and sisters. Put on the grace clothes. That's what he's saying. Put off old, put on the new. And then he tells us this. Watch. Watch what he says here. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, if you believe it, say amen, and be angry, and then he says sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let's pray together. Father, again, we love you, we need you, we can do nothing without you, and we ask for your power, Holy Spirit, to work on us and through us, Lord, to do your will this morning. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Well, Brother Israel, I thought you said we was going to talk about the family. But really, this passage is speaking to individuals. And if you're thinking that and saying that, you're absolutely right, because it is speaking to individuals. Let me tell you what I figured out. All the word of family is is a collection of individuals. So if you take individuals that are a part of the family and we start applying these family values, these values from the word of God to our lives on an individual basis, it will certainly impact the family for the honor and glory of God. If you believe it, say amen. So these, listen, values should be applied in my home and in your home if we want a strong family, if we want a godly family. Now, there's five of them that I want to give you. I'm not going to give you all five this morning, so everybody calm down. We're just going to do two. We're going to do two this morning, and then next week we'll do the other three, Lord willing. But I do want to give you two of them this morning that are near and dear to my heart, that have been a blessing to me, and I hope and pray that they will in turn be a blessing to you. Look at what the Bible says right there in verse number 25. He says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. How many of you have ever heard the old saying that honesty is the best policy? For the child of God and for the Christian home, honesty is not only the best policy. Listen, point number one is this. This first value, honesty is the only policy. That's what God requires. God wants honesty in our lives and certainly in our family. And truth matters. If you believe truth matters this morning, say amen. Let me tell you something. The Lord has put a message on my heart. And and, and I love um, when God begins to do that. I like letting it stew in my mind for a little bit (laughs) Roll around in my spirit and my heart for a little bit And let's let God speak to me And so in the next two or three weeks I'm going to answer the question Does truth matter? But I can tell you it does Truth matters greatly It matters in your individual lives But it certainly matters in your home We need to be truthful That can be tough Let me tell you why We live in a world full of lies. We live in a time like no other time I can ever remember in my life. We've got to the place where it's hard to distinguish what is being said, whether it's truth or lies. I mean, we're in the middle of a political season right now. And there is so much mudslinging from one side to the other and vice versa The Democrats lie on the Republicans, the Republicans lie on the Democrats, and it's hard for me sometimes to figure out who's telling the truth. What is the truth? We live in a world full of lies. Not only in the political arena, but also in every other arena. Let me tell you something. One thing I love more than anything else about preaching the Bible, preaching the very word of God, the God-breathed, God-inspired Bible that I get the privilege of preaching every Sunday. As long as I stick with that, I know I'm giving you truth. Truths that you can build your life on. Truth that Jesus said, if you'll build your life upon my sayings, when the storm comes, your house will stand. Amen? (laughs) That's what Jesus said. It's like building your house upon a rock when you hear and obey what he says, what thus says the Lord. So I am so thankful I get to tell you the truth. But we live in a world full of lies. Y'all think everything you see on Facebook is truth? Me neither. Usually what you see on there is everybody's best and never their worst. So you'll look at it and start feeling bad about yourself and bad about your life and why things ain't working out for you like it's working out for them. And all that's really happening, you're seeing their best but not their worst. Because everybody wants to look like it's all hunky dory and hallelujah with me. Especially in settings like this. I mean, we won't let anybody know we got trouble. <laughs> Am I right? Then maybe somebody's going to look down on me if they think it ain't working out for me. Oh, listen, folks, listen to me very plainly. If there's one thing ministry has taught me over and over and over again, there is a problem in every pulpit, and there's a problem in every pew. You are not alone. But let me tell you how you fix your problems. You bring it before the Lord. You just be honest and say, God, I'm struggling in this area. You know what's going on in my life. You know what's going on in my marriage. You know what's happening in my family. Lord, I need you then you call upon your brothers and sisters in Christ to join together because the Bible says where two or three gather together and agree on earth, it'll be done in heaven. Are you hearing me? You confess your faults one to another because the the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's what you do. We pray for one another. We edify one another. We encourage one another. But as long as you keep hiding, it's very hard to get the help you need. Truth matters amen it matters brothers and sisters we live in a world full of lies and it seems as though people feel the obligation and the necessity to speak the lie when it best benefits them it's like a little boy i heard about in sunday school one time his teacher asked the class uh, how how they would define a lie he said that a lie is a terrible sin and a great help in a time of trouble. <laughs> but, that, but that's usually how we treat lying, isn't it? We'll tell the truth until we need to lie. Until we get in trouble, then we think we can lie our way out of it. And then we say things like this. We justify it. We say, well, you know, it would not really the truth, but it was just a little white lie. Please show me in the Word of God where God distinguishes between white lies and black lies that are just as black as all the sin that sends us to hell. It's not white lies and black lies, just lies. Let me tell you something else. Well, Brother Everett, it's not the whole truth, but it's just a little fib here and there. There are no fibs. They're lies. Right? And truth matters. We need to see how God feels about the lie, about lying itself. And I'm glad we've got a book that tells us just how God feels. Proverbs chapter number 6 Starting in verse number 16, the Bible describes for us the things that God hates. Now, let me ask you something Mount Zion. Do y'all think we ought to love what God loves? We sure should. Let me tell you something else. Part of loving what God loves means we got to hate what God hates. So what's God hate? These things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Verse 17. A proud look. That means uh, the, some illustrations are, um, uh, help me, translations. Some translations actually say um, a haughty look, right? Now, I like how the King James puts it because it just describes what it is. It's pride (laughs) down in the heart showing up on your face. And God hates pride. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. Look at verse 18. A heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that swift that are swift in running to mischief. Verse nineteen: A false witness that speaks lies. Now, wait a minute. Hadn't God already brought up lies? He said it number two: A lying tongue. But it's almost like God said, "I hate it so much, I'm going to give it to you again." A lying tongue and a false witness against others. And what that means is, when I lie for my benefit, or I lie to hurt others, God hates all that. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. He that soweth discord among the brethren. If you are sowing discord among the brethren, quit that. God hates it. Amen? God says he hates Lying. Now why does he hate it so much? Because it's wrong. How do we know it's wrong? It's the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Isn't that what it says? Thou shalt not lie. It's right there in the ten commandments. I mean it made the ten. It's not a small thing. It's huge to God. That's how he sees it. Truth matters. Why else does God hate lying? Because the devil is a liar. Write this down. John, book of John, chapter number 8, and verse number 44. The Bible says that the devil is a liar, watch this now, and the father of lies. How do you know? You are never more like the devil than when you are lying. And God don't want that. God don't want that. That's why God, that's how God feels about the sin of lying so truth matters and that's why paul said in your individual lives and certainly in your relationships listen in your home in your family it needs to be a place of honesty so therefore we need to do at least three things first of all we need to be honest with god can you say amen to that you know what the bible says in isaiah chapter 9 and verse number six it says that jesus is our wonderful counselor how many y'all thankful for that you know what that means? I can go talk to Jesus about stuff I can't talk to nobody else about. Brother Kyle, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. Uh, you're, you're a dear brother in Christ. And I you know what? I feel like me and Brother Kyle's got a relationship that we can just about talk to one another about anything. You know, I can go to him. He can go to me. He can come to me. We can talk to one another. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another through the word of God. We can do all that. But there are some things I'll never be able to talk to Kyle about. Because Kyle's not me and I'm not Kyle. And he don't understand completely and totally where I come from. And I don't understand completely and totally where he comes from because we are different. Now, the good news is Jesus knows me better than I know myself. He knows what I need better than I know what I need. And he loves me like nobody else. So if there's one person who can really counsel me and give me good advice, it's Jesus. So I'll just try to talk to him about everything. Amen. And then I I try to tune my ear and and open these these spiritual ears and say, God, now speak and give me truth that I need. Give me direction. Praise the Lord. He's a wonderful counselor. But let me see if I can illustrate this. Listen to me now. How many know you go to a doctor to get help physically? But if you go to that doctor to get help, and you're not truthful with your doctor, and you get the wrong diagnosis or you get the wrong treatment because you're not truthful are you really being helped how I many you know we go to the wonderful counselor to get help but if we just don't lay it all out and get, get real with him be truthful with god and, and i don't i don't know why what we what we think we're hiding if he is omniscient, like the Bible speaks, he knows all things about everybody for all time, past, present, and future. How can you hide from him? That's what I love about King David. King David, man, when that brother was sad, he told the Lord he was sad. When he was depressed, he told the Lord he was depressed. When he was struggling with sin, he told the Lord he was struggling with sin. He was real with God. He was honest with God. Brothers and sisters, let's get honest with God, number one. Number two, what we must do, because truth matters, is be honest with ourselves. Right? 1 John 1.8 says that we say we have no sin, we deceive our own selves. By admission in that verse that is saying it is possible for us to lie to ourselves and cause ourselves to believe it. We can keep speaking a lie so long and want to believe it as truth so badly that before long we can trick ourselves into believing a lie about us and that something but you got to be real with who you are with the problem you have with where you failed God where you failed others and listen to me this not only begins at salvation no man can ever truly come to the saving knowledge of Jesus until they get real with God and real with themselves. Realize that they are lost and undone and need Jesus. But let me tell you something else. As a Christian, we cannot live effectively in our Christian lives unless we are still honest with ourselves and honest with God. That's what confession is all about. It's getting to the point where you say, Lord, I was wrong in this, and you were right. Confession means to stand in agreement, to confess our sins and to stand in agreement with God. We are truthful with God, we are truthful with ourselves, and we must be truthful with others. Amen? It's important. Truth matters. We've got to be truthful in our homes. Wives, be truthful with your husbands. Husbands, be truthful with your Wives. Parents, be truthful with your children, and children, be truthful. Be honest with your parents. Let me tell you why, and write this down if you're taking notes, and I hope you are. Honesty is the bedrock of trust. If you are not honest with the people you love, it is going to be very hard to have a real, lasting relationship with them because they won't trust you. Gotta be honest. Gotta be honest. There's a man I work with. I love the brother, but he is a habitual liar. So much so, he don't even even get close to getting you to believe it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he'll tell some stuff, I'll be like, dude, I know better than that. Come on, man. If you're going to go that far, because I can tell you've researched some of this stuff. I believe he does. I believe he sits around and researches a lot just so he can lie about it good. And I'm thinking, if if you're going to sit around and actually study up your lie, at least tell it so it's a little bit believable. Because now what used to be entertaining is just, just annoying. And now I when he when I see him coming, I go the other way. No, nah, I'm done with that, dude. Come on. You wasting my time and yours. Get serious. A few weeks ago, the brother had some heart issues at work. You know? Was actually had to be rushed to the emergency room. Somebody told me, I was like, nah. He's all right. No. I was wrong. Come to find out, there was really an issue with his heart. But you know why I didn't believe him? No trust. He had cried wolf so many times, I didn't know what to believe. Even about something serious like that, do you see how honesty is the bedrock of trust? And it's trust. That's what it takes to build relationships. So parents, be honest with your kids. Kids, be honest with your parents. Husbands, be honest with your wife. Wives, be honest with your husband. The Bible says, speak truth to your neighbor. Neighbor means the one close to you. Ain't nobody no closer than the ones in your family, amen? This family value that we need to see, number one, is honesty is not just the best policy. Honesty is the only policy. Let's go to number two. Number two, never give anger a place in your home. Never give anger a place in your home. Listen to what it says. Be ye angry and sin not. Now, that seems like an oxymoron when you look at it. Doesn't it? Because a lot of times we think anger is sin. But 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 anger itself is not sin. Because, how many know God gets angry? How many of you understand Jesus displayed righteous indignation, righteous anger when he cleared him off a spot in the temple and threw a fit because the religious leaders were extorting the people for money. And I I love what one pastor said. Jesus had a temple tantrum. (laughs) And he did. The Bible says he made a cord a whip out of cords, and he turned over their money, their tables. They had all these tables set up there, and Jesus comes in and just pitches a gum fit, turns over their table, coins and money goes everywhere. He takes a whip that he has made with leather and whips their butt out of the temple. Was that sin? No. Let me tell you why. Because he was angry for the right reason at the right people, at the right time. Now before you start turning over tables. And making whips. You need to understand you're not Jesus. You need to understand you don't know how angry you should be. You don't really know how who, who to uh, a lot of times point that anger at. And you don't know how to dole out the right punishment when you are angry. So be careful with that. But there is a place for righteous indignation, righteous anger. Even in our lives, we need to be angry about things that are wrong. It should bother us. And when we get to the place where sin doesn't bother us, we're in a bad place. Amen? We don't need to be numb to it. You, it, it makes us angry that you know, we live in a world where people advocate for Birthday abortions, that angers me. It angers me that we live in a world where the Supreme Court of the United States of America okays same-sex marriage. That angers me. It angers me that we live in a world that does not recognize the difference between male and female and are allowing children to to completely destroy their bodies and minds because of a lie. That angers me. It ought to anger you. That's righteous indignation. But now listen, that's righteous anger. He's not talking about righteous anger here. He's talking about unrighteous anger. Let me tell you what unrighteous anger. It's selfishly getting angry at someone else because you think they didn't do what you deserved. Be very careful with that word deserve. I don't know if any of us really want to get what we deserve. So be careful with that word. And when you start getting angry because you think somebody didn't fulfill your expectations for what you think you deserve, first of all, that finds its foundation in pride. Because a lot of times we think we're more important than we are. Right? That's unrighteous anger. And that's what he's warning against right here. And we must deal with With anger and never give it a place in our family. Let me tell you what happens. Let's let's apply this. How many of you know women get angry when they are devalued? Let me tell you why. Because their greatest need is what? Their greatest need is what? Thank you, brother. Their greatest need is what? To be loved. Ephesians 5.33. And when they feel like they're not being valued above other things in their husband's life, then they're going to get angry about that. And they're going to start showing it in little ways. And a lot of times they're not going to just come right out and say it. They're just going to give you those little barbs here and there. Now, ladies, I want to tell you something. It would be a lot easier. Just speaking from my own experience, just tell me. Figuring out a woman is harder than solving a Rubik's Cube. I mean, I, you can work on it and work on it and work on it and work on it and try, and before you know it, it's in the worst shape than you've ever had it in. So just tell me. But a lot of times what they'll do, because they feel feel devalued, they don't feel loved, you put your job above them, you put your friends above them. Nothing wrong with friends, but there is something wrong with putting them in the wrong place, wrong list of priorities, nothing wrong with your job, but it's a... You don't need to put that above your wife either. Sometimes we put our kids before a wife, and that can be be bad. They feel devalued, and they don't feel loved. And so that makes them angry, and it makes them angry, then they start giving me those little barbs. Right? Now, women, y'all know what I'm saying is right. And and men, you do too. I mean, that's what happens. And the truth is, if we don't deal with that, if we don't talk about it, that's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You got to talk about it. You gotta be honest. Say, look, this hurt my feelings, and I'm gonna tell you why it hurt my feelings. And have that discussion. Now, women get angry when they feel devalued. Men get angry when they feel disrespected. Let me, t- let me ask you why? Why do men? What is what are what, what is men's, uh, a man's greatest need? Respect. Ephesians five thirty three. See that you love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and and let every woman um, respect and submit to her husband, right? The greatest need for a man is to be respected. And so when he feels disrespected, that's going to make him angry. And a lot of times what will happen, a man won't talk about it because he don't want to feel weak. And he don't want to appear weak to his wife. And so he'll just bottle it all up, and he'll keep getting angry. And he'll keep throwing them little barbs, too, from time to time. Those little offhand comments that make you mad, ladies, that's, that's probably what's happened. He's, he's felt disrespected somewhere, and he's angry about it, but he don't want to tell you because he don't want a big fight. And he don't want to appear weak before you. So he's just going to deal with it and letting it keep build up on the inside. <laughs> right? Now, I'm going to say this as tactfully as I can possibly say it, but if we're gonna save marriages and strengthen homes and talk about what needs to be talked about, we gotta talk about it. And let me tell you something about a man that men you know is true. And I'm gonna tell you something about a woman that a woman knows is true. A man is excited physically, sexually and in other ways. They are fulfilled physically. That's how they're built. Let me tell you something else, though. A woman is excited and fulfilled emotionally. And if there's no emotional connection with a man, then the woman will never be satisfied physically. But the truth is, if there's no emotion, from the man's point of view, if there's no emotional attachment with that woman, he'll never be satisfied physically because it's not going to work like it needs to work. There's give and take both ways. And God has made us different, so he might make us one. Because a man is excited and fulfilled physically, when he feels like he's been rejected physically, let me tell you what's going to happen. He's going to get angry about that. And when he gets angry about that, a lot of times, like I said, he's not going to say it because he don't want to feel weak and he don't want to fight. He'll just bottle it all up. He's going to get angry, and before long, if that anger is not dealt with, he's going to get bitter. So, I'm going to tell you what I tell all the uh, couples that I counsel in premarital counseling and otherwise. If you are married, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 4, that the marital bed is undefiled. Please understand what I'm about to tell you the marital bed is undefiled if you are not married and you are sleeping in the bed together you're committing fornication and the bible says that's sin and god still says it's wrong even though it's popularized accepted and even encouraged today it's still wrong i'm not i'm not talking about those outside of marriage I'm talking today to people in the marriage when we're talking about a healthy sexual relationship that God has blessed. The marital bed, the marital bed is undefiled. You me tell what that means? Have a good sex life. God give it to you for a gift to be enjoyed with one another. And when that don't happen, especially for a man, that's going to create anger. I heard someone say one time that um, sex is a misdemeanor for men. The more it's missed, the meaner you get. There's a lot of truth to that. Ladies, listen to me. Pay attention when he's angry. Husbands, listen to me. Pay attention when they're angry. And talk about these things. This is where communication comes in. But if you don't communicate, guess what's going to happen? You're going to build up all these scenarios in your head about what's going on and what's not going on and why this is happening and why that's not happening. And and before long, you can create a whole scenario that ain't even true. And you'll be mad about something that don't even make any sense. Let me tell you why. Because you ain't talked about it. You let that anger stay there. That's why the Bible says right here in Ephesians, isn't it good how God's Word gives us what we need? Look what the Bible says right here. Be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. When you get angry, whether you're feeling devalued or you're feeling disrespected, when you get angry, don't go to bed not fixing that. Talk about it. Look, we got to work this out. Because the longer you let that stay, the more angry you're going to get and the more bitter you'll become. Amen? Let me tell you something about kids. Kids get angry. When they feel dehumanized. You say, "Brother, what in the world are you talking about dehumanized? Well, when they are little. Now, let me tell you something. You need to know, parents, your kids ain't running nothing. And if they are running something, then the inmates have the keys to the asylum. You are the parent for the reason. God has blessed you with that. I get that. And you need to understand that. Amen? No doubt about it. And and when they're small, look, you you are going to parent differently than when they grow and get older as they change. But when they're small, they ain't running nothing. You're the parent for a reason. Be their parent. When they get older, that changes just a little bit. And they feel dehumanized a lot of times when you don't respect them for who they are now. Let me tell you why why I say this, because I struggle with it. You can ask probably my older kids. I know you can probably ask Anna Kate. She'll probably tell you. It's hard for me to learn how to parent parent older children. Because I still won't tell them everything. You know what? I still won't give them my two cents on everything. Even when they're not in my house. (laughs) I won't tell them how to spend their money. I won't tell them what what to buy and what not to buy. And and I'm doing this not because I'm trying to lord over them. I'm doing this because I love them. Let's see, this is, preaching is not only getting me to preach truth to you, but it's also a counseling session for me. <laughs> so that's why I do it a lot of times. And, and I've, I've just made some mistakes that I don't want mine to make. I mean, it's, but I'm just telling you, it's hard for me to get. She's not a little girl anymore. Now she's doing her own thing, going her own way. And, and look, after she's out of my home, she's got to make her own decisions. And it's hard for me to let go. But I'm going to tell you what will make her more angry than anything. When I don't respect her decisions and her privacy, even when it may be the wrong one. Because I don't want to see nothing bad happen to her, or none of my kids. (laughs) Amen? I want the best for them. But I've got to realize a lot of times it's her life, and they get angry. When you don't treat them like the human they are right now. Does that make sense to you? Let's go on. Verse 27 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Isn't it great that God put that right there? Anger in the home is a great way for the devil to get a toehold in your, in your marriage, in your family, in your home. Let me tell you something. You give the devil a toehold, he'll, he'll soon gain a foothold. That, that toehold that becomes a foothold will, will, will then become a stronghold. And when that happens, you're in a mess. So what I'm telling you is, deal with the anger. Do not give anger a place and when you don't give anger a place, you don't give the devil a place. That's what the Bible is saying. Honesty is the only policy. And we don't give place to anger. And if we choose to do that, you can expect God's blessing. If we don't, then let me, let me show you what will happen. Verse number 31 tells us what happens if we don't do what God says we should do. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Now look, if you don't deal with anger, like I've said before, you're going to get bitter. And that bitterness becomes a root that will grow up and choke the life out of your marriage and the life out of the relationship with your kids. you got to deal with it. can't let that bitterness rise. And if you don't deal with bitterness, then guess what's going to happen? Wrath is going to take place. Let me tell you why he got holes punched in walls and people pitching fits and throwing stuff and doing all the things that sometimes happens in families. Let me tell you why that happens. Anger's not dealt with. It turns into wrath. Then what happens? Watch. If you don't deal with it then, the Bible says then clamor or malice. Malice is just pure evil. And then he goes on to say there'll be evil speaking. You ever been around a family that's always yelling and fussing and fighting? Never happy. Can me tell you why that is. They've gave place to anger. That's not what God wants for you, brothers and sisters. Can you say amen? I hope you've gained from the word of God something useful for your home this morning. And over the last five weeks. Lord willing, we'll finish this up next week and move on to some preaching um, of a different kind. Before we close this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask my ushers to come, please. We're going to take up our morning offering. Thank you, guys. The offering plates is probably in the back, I'm going to guess. Would you would you, on the table in the back? Run back and get them, Jackson, if you don't mind. Have you enjoyed being in the house of God this morning? I've enjoyed being with all of you. When you leave here today, go tell somebody how good Jesus is. And I want to encourage you to pray one for another this week. Amen? Let's lift up one another in prayer. The Bible says we have not because we ask not, so we're going to keep asking that God would have his way and have his will in the lives of his people. That God would add to our church daily such as should be saved. That God would break addictions, heal families, save souls, do the work that only God the Holy Spirit can do. And so let's pray every morning at 9 o'clock, all right? A few announcements that I do need to make to you before I pray and we take up the offering. Um, I, I want to y'all to remember, if you're, guys, if you're planning on going on the men's conference in June, get signed up in the back. And uh, that sign-up sheet is back there. Also, there'll be a wild game dinner that... Brother Ben's going to post for you on the men's group message that'll be done through the Marion County Baptist Association. So guys be looking for that. All those things are coming up. Um, Anything else that I I might have forgotten? Oh yeah, Kingdom Man, Kingdom Woman will be tonight starting at 5 for uh, Kingdom Man and 6 for Kingdom Woman. Kingdom Man will be over here. Kingdom Woman, you'll be over in the new building. That'll happen at 5 and 6 this evening. So come back and be a part of that if you're a part of those studies. If there's nothing else. I'm going to pray for you. We'll take up our morning offering. Let's let's.